Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us today for the Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. Our discussion for this podcast series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Armando Cortez. I am the Pharmacy Operations Manager at the University of Chicago Medicine Ingalls Hospital, and I will be the host today. With me today is Patricia Clancy Keenly from Cardinal Health. Patty is the Director of Accreditation and Medication Safety at Cardinal Health and has held that position for 21 years. Patty is a leader in medication safety, accreditation, and regulatory matters. She is backed by more than 45 years of experience and has served as the Board of Directors of ASHP and also President of the Pennsylvania Society of Hospital Pharmacists. And she has also received numerous states and national awards acknowledging her expertise in and dedication to hospital pharmacy. Thanks for joining us today, Patty. Thanks for asking me. (laughs) Uh, You received the John W. Webb Lecture Award in 2018, uh, where you discussed nimble leadership. Uh, You highlighted the importance of being nimble throughout your career. You highlighted the need for a mentor, taking on additional responsibilities, and learning from history. Today, we will be expanding on these concepts and apply them to today's environment. So we're excited to hear from your insights. Well, thank you. All right. So we're going to go ahead and start it. You are an established and well-known leader within the health system pharmacy group. Can you briefly share your trajectory and career path you chose that has brought you to this point in your career? I think a lot of people find that their career path is pretty serendipitous. You know, you set out to do one thing and, you know, get sidetracked along the way. But I, I think I've been pretty pretty straight and narrow on the way this is. I was fortunate to graduate at a time when hospital pharmacy was really just emerging from the basement and exploding and exploring into clinical practices. I worked at a community hospital after I graduated, and it was just a wonderful staff of folks, nurses, docs, all the other folks who were there. Everybody supported good patient practices. And so I never saw that any other way. So that was a good thing. There were no silos in this group. Everybody worked together. And I moved into management pretty quickly. Within a year, I was the pharmacy manager. And I was really able to develop a staff of pharmacists and techs who understood that whole goal of pharmacy practice and that we were not there alone. We were not there in the basement. We were out there participating in patient care as well. I learned an awful lot of things from nurses who I still depend on for a lot of my practice issues as well. So I think that's how the med safety piece came about because we realized what was happening really on the patient care level. Mentors along the way, I think, are really important. I had wonderful folks who directed me, you know, in school. You know, I think back of some of the big ASHP names as well, Herb Flack and John Gans. Um, Joe Linkowitz is another one who comes to mind. And all of the leaders that were in PSHP, the Pennsylvania Society, which was very prominent in hospital practice. So saw a lot of folks there. And the med safety peeps kept getting woven in. Uh, Mike Cohen, uh, certainly who heads the Institute for Safe Medication Practices, he and his staff now, it was just Mike and, and Neil Davis back then, they really kind of instilled in everybody who they would speak to about the need for, for patient safety. And I think that's how I got interested in it. That's great. 
I agree with you. Having mentors is a must if you want to move forward and they can guide you through your career path. And, you know, it seems like you took on the medication safety role very serious on that one. You had an excellent John W. Webb lecture uh, where you talked about nimble leadership, which we will dig deeper into the topic today. Uh, before we do, though, let's start with the title of the lecture. Can you please provide the audience a brief overview of what nimble leadership is and what it means to you? I think it means beginning and be willing to and able to take over you know, responsibilities that may not seem very 100% pharmacy related, but certainly support pharmacy practice. And you have to look at that longitudinally. We're not just looking at you know, one little activity that's going on. We have to look at the big picture. So the whole global piece of what's happening with patients, I think, brings the whole nimble thing into, into reality. Not everything's going to be the sexy clinical stuff we want to do all the time, but if it's something that you think will support pharmacy practice or will support the patients that we need to take care of, that's where I think we need to you know, be free to do a little bit different things than has been done in the past, and that's the nimble piece. Awesome. Uh, so I'm curious, how did you arrive to uh, present on nimble leadership? It was just something that struck me that for a number of years, fortunately not so much now, but you were either a clinical person or you were a distributive person. And the director of pharmacy or anybody in a pharmacy management role needs to be able to balance that and make sure you're moving forward with what you need to do. So that's when it struck me that we really need to be able to move around. I've often thought, and I looked a number of years ago, I, I think the nursing profession really matured when it hit a point where they realized that you can't do everything yourself. You have to get help from other people and you have to look at what other disciplines are doing, you know, involved in the patients that we take care of. So that just kind of, you know, rooted around in my head. And I thought the nimble piece was where we need to be. Awesome. And it couldn't be any more relevant now, right? (laughs) Oh boy, you're not kidding, right? (laughs) I appreciated the piece in your web lecture where you reflected on direct quote, leadership is not about us. Rather, it is about making others better and responsive. Can you share an example of how you have displayed this throughout your career? Yeah, and I think I look back on it as to when it first struck me, and I honestly can remember this. I was at a a Pennsylvania Society meeting. It was an annual meeting, and the person who got the Pharmacist of the Year Award was a wonderful pharmacist, Lou Wakefield from Central Pennsylvania, and I remember him distinctly saying that that award wasn't his. What his award was was seeing folks who worked for him who went on to lead other departments in other hospitals, and of course, the focus then might have been in management, but we know now that, you know, all those clinical roles are certainly as important as anything else. But it struck me that that was the way you need to be. You didn't want to just do things for yourself or your own department. You wanted to do it for the profession and you wanted to be able to kind of guide others who had the impetus to be able to lead others into those other spots. Yeah, I definitely have heard that before where great leaders, they really make emphasis on the people that they're able to build. So that's their big reward, and I definitely agree with that. Yeah, Um, I I think there's a big difference, and we have to recognize it, too, between being a director 
and being a leader. And there's a lot in the literature that folks can look back to, but, you know, think of folks who you may have worked for, or you or anybody else who may be listening. You know, is it somebody who just told you what to do and expected that to be done exactly in that way? Or is it somebody who told you what the bottom line was and let you, you know, within reason, obviously, develop how you were going to get to that point and maybe come up with better ideas? And that's how we improve things. Definitely, definitely. You know, of course, uh, I'm barely coming off a residency, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening to this podcast are emergent leaders. So I wanted to ask you, how can emergent leaders like myself begin to make others better as we transition into new leadership roles? One of the greatest things about residencies is the ability to see what else happens. And I have the opportunity to work with Wilkes University up here. And so, you know, even talking with P1 through residency folks, one of the things I always say to people is go away, go see some other way that medicine is practiced, even if you're going to return back to where you are. So that's a big piece of residency. You get the opportunity to see another way that medicine is practiced in an area or outside of the area. Ideally, you can see those other things and bring it back because as we see what happens in other organizations, that's where improvements are going to be made, again, longitudinally in pharmacy practice. So I, I would really encourage that residency role to just, well, it already shines, but just such a great thing to do to see other things and move practice forward. I love it. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit here. As you know, there's a lot of things going on in the world, and I kind of want to apply this to nimble leadership. So I believe that the current situation with COVID-19 and civil unrest has made the perfect case of being nimble. Uh, How have you demonstrated nimble leadership in the last 90 days, and how has your organization successfully navigated through challenges? It's kind of funny because personally, I've said that I feel guilty not being in the thick of things. I was a director of pharmacy for 25 years, and but my last 20 years at Cardinal, I, I've been with a group of subject matter experts, both clinical and administrative people, who support all those other pharmacists who are out there. So half of me felt very guilty that I wasn't, you know, in the scrubs, in there every day, you know, hel- helping those patients in the hospital. But the rest of it recognized that I was able to kind of step back as, as the other subject matter experts that I work with. And we were able to step back and we were really able to provide support for those people who, who really were in the trenches and helping that. So I was kind of in a, you know, a, a different situation than a lot of directors of pharmacy are because I didn't have responsibility for a single or a group of organizations, but more widespread. So what we did was try to uh, anticipate what some of the questions have been and what some of the needs were and came up with a, a twice a weekly phone call there for a while. We then went to weekly. Unfortunately, we were, we're just doing it PRN now, but we have a document that's really a living, breathing document that goes out every week saying, you know, here's new information. Here's the resources that you can do. And we've all been available to provide individual resources to those people. So it's kind of a different role than I would have had if I was still a director of pharmacy at an organization. Awesome. I mean, uh, the fact that you were able to go from weekly to PRN means that things are getting a little better. So <laughs> I <hope>. great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in your web lecture, you mentioned making connections is important in nimble leadership, of course. How have you leveraged or collaborated with your connections outside of pharmacy to help in your initiatives during the pandemic? Two things come to mind here. 
And one is certainly all the ASHP contacts. One thing that just strikes me so about ASHP in this time of crisis has been how it's been nimble and be able to, you know, provide information. And even though everybody's working remotely, things still work. And, you know, thank goodness we have all the technology we do because we've been able to do this. But just look at the look at what ASHP has provided in this. So I think those contacts are huge. And even though that's certainly pharmacy-focused, ASHP and, and, you know, the folks in that organization have been in contact with other disciplines to be able to bring that to us. So that's one thing. Another thing is I've had uh, a pretty interesting opportunity to work with USP. Um, I'm on the USP Compounding Expert Committee, and that group certainly is much wider than pharmacy, although we tend to think of it as a, a big pharmacy focus for what we're seeing. But the ability to work with CDC folks and FDA folks and USP folks and all of the practitioners that feed into that has been able to provide information again, in this time of crisis, how, how can we standardize things that need standardization? How can we, you know, update PPE needs and, you know, beyond use states and things like that from a, a perspective of our USP chapters from compounding? And just to be able to tap into that and provide that and provide some consistency has been an interesting experience. Awesome. That's great. You know, I'm really interested to hear, like, if you have an example of a time during this pandemic where you were just, like, completely overwhelmed and how you kind of got past that. Yeah, you know, I think I've been fortunate that I didn't get to that overwhelmed status. And that's where I think I feel guilty not not being in a hospital to have to to have to deal with that, because I just realized how frustrating and how overwhelming that was to all those people on the front lines. And I'm not just saying the directors, I'm saying the people who everybody in hospitals, the environmental services staff, the housekeeping staff, the folks who are people keeping fed, let alone all the people who are being exposed to all those patients coming in and still trying to take care of all the regular patients we have, you know, from the intensive situations to the ambulatory. So I was fortunate that, you know, I could kind of juggle what I needed to do, but realized that I was very fortunate because I didn't get to that overwhelmed situation that so many people have. You're definitely lucky in that sense, but I know that you were doing great work and that did not go unnoticed. So thank you for that. You recommended three books during your web lecture, Uh, one of them being The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, Mm -hmm. uh, another being Flu, and the last one being Radium. Is there a book that you have been reading to keep you nimble during the pandemic or any book that you would like to recommend the audience? Um, It's funny, looking back at that selection of the three, and they're three of my favorite books that I I read a lot of nonfiction, but Flu is all about the 1918 influenza epidemic. So talk about a, you know, prophetic thing to be reading. I went back and reread that this summer. So that wasn't a new book, but it was certainly a reread. And it just struck me, you know, we're still learning. We're still fighting things that, you know, A hundred plus years ago, people knew if they put on a mask, they were going to save other people. Why are we still fighting that? It just kind of blows my mind. And I know it probably blows the mind of most of the people who are listening. So I would definitely, you know, tell people to go back and look at the the book is Flu, F-L-U. The author is Gina Collada. And it's worth a reread. But that's kind of... 
put me into, you know, some of those other related books like that. I read one called Vaccinated that um, I think I had read a number of years ago because some of it sounded pretty familiar, but it was about, it developed, obviously, development of vaccines. So we're living that right now as well. And then I, I round up with another one called, this was kind of cute, The Mold in Dr. Flory's Coat. And it was about how several researchers in World War II uh, were concerned that in the UK that they might, you know, lose the penicillium moles that they were trying to develop as a drug and actually put it in their coat pockets because they were spores and they would last to come over to the U.S. So, I mean, just kind of really interesting books that are very topical with what we're doing now. We're trying to get a vaccine going. You know, we need new antibiotics to fight these kind of things. So those I like. But the other thing I did, and I don't do this a lot, is I, I've been reading like a whole series of a medical mystery, you know, that, that is fiction. And I generally don't do that. But I always encourage people to read and to travel well, we can't travel now, so how can you travel through your mind, right? You can, you can at least read stories about it. And I think that's important. We need a little break from the pharmacy thing, of course. And, and that's my, the way my break has been. <laughs> yep, I think once all the travel restrictions are over and it's safe to do so, I'm definitely going to do some traveling myself. So. <laughs> oh, boy, yeah, we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Patty, are, are there any additional pearls of wisdom that you would like to share with us and for your listeners today? I would. Um, you know, John Lewis was just such a leader in um, the whole civil rights issue and congressman for decades, really, a number of years, who died recently. And there was I was reading some of the stuff that he did, and I remember this from growing up. I mean, I, you know, I w- it was the late 60s, and this stuff was all going. I remember seeing John Lewis and his colleagues and, and what they were doing to, um, you know, push civil rights ahead. Well, I just thought it was really kind of interesting, and one of the things that they wrote in the paper after he died were some of the tweets that he had put out recently. So this was still kind of a cool guy, right? But one of the tweets that I really liked, and it was from June 2018 that he tweeted this, so it wasn't that long ago. And I love it. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I think that's it. Um, I think part of the, the issue of being a pharmacy leader, you know, sometimes you're going to have to do something and ask perhaps for forgiveness later, but you have to do it for the right reasons. And you certainly don't want to go, you know, off, off the rails here too much, but move things ahead. And sometimes we need to do it by making a little noise. That's great. I completely agree with you. Well, that's all the time that we have today. I want to thank Patty for joining us to discuss nimble leadership and how to apply in today's environment. There's a lot of things going on in the world, and this is a perfect time to apply nimble leadership. Uh, Join us here next time where we will talk with ASHP members about leadership topics within pharmacy practice. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.